Uh, most of you know uh, the pastor cut the tip of his finger off last Sunday, and we happened to be here and saw his wife screaming, got to take James to the emergency room. And so off he went. Fortunately, it wasn't as bad as many thought, so, but it's pretty messy. And uh, I guess uh, the next day, somehow he was able to text me. Still had enough with one hand. And he said to me, uh, Ron, he said, this is kind of messy. I got to have surgery and I got other things planned. He said, could you fill in for me for Mother's Day? It was a good thing it was a text because I told my wife, James wants me to go down there for Mother's Day. and I don't want to do it. <laughs> and she said, that's too bad. You're going to do it anyway. said, okay, now I have a reason for saying I didn't want to do it. It's not because I don't love you, because I love you, and I love coming here, and I love sharing God's word, but not Mother's Day. Uh, I spent 30 years in the ministry in and around different places in the United States, and we did exactly what was done this morning, at least to some extent. We uh, handed out cupcakes, we handed out flowers, we did everything to identify, and I noticed this morning it's just for females not mothers. And I, in 1998, my wife and I, after 30 years here, we, we left to go to Budapest, Hungary, and start an international church there. And frankly, I thought I pretty well knew everything there was to know after 30 years of ministry. And I remember the first Mother's Day in Budapest, Hungary. I remember it because when we got there, I met a young lady who was married to a guy, and they were both involved in a mission agency there that was very effective during the Iron Curtain days in Poland and Eastern Europe. So these were not just, you know, somebody passing by. And when she introduced herself to me, she said, my name is Etaw. And I'd never heard of anybody named Etaw before. Does anybody know an Etaw? No. And so... Uh, my common thing. I said, well, that's a very strange name. I've never heard of that name. She said, you never have, huh? I said, no. She said, well, spell it backwards. Hate. And I thought, what? Whoa, that's really pretty. But, you know, I kind of passed it off. Well, then came around uh, this time of the year, and it was the first Mother's Day, and so I got up and did what I've been doing for Mother's Day in the United States for 30 years. And we had a little Mother's Day celebration, and we honored the mothers, and we talked about how many people had pictures of their children in their wallets, and we talked about those things. And when the service was all over, I noticed Etal was kind of hanging back. She came up to me afterwards, and she said to me, let me explain something to you. I hate Mother's Day. Whoa. Wow, it's kind of strong. And then I, I remembered her name. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. You must hate your mother who named you this name, hate, backwards. And so I didn't say anything else. I, I was really shaken by this whole thing. Never had a response like that. And I started asking people, you know, what, what you know, how is, is Etah okay? And they said, oh, no, you have to understand. Etah longs to have a baby. And for years now, they've been trying everything imaginable to have a child, and she has not been able to have a child. And she is literally, literally, deeply upset by this. 
And that's the first time it ever somehow got through my head. You know, not everybody is all excited about Mother's Day. I'll come back to Utah when I finish. Um, today, I know a young lady because we went through this last Mother's Day. A young lady who is not the least bit happy to remember it's Mother's Day. See, her mom won't talk to her. Her mom has rejected her because of her lifestyle choices. And I can't say that I disagree with mom. I think her lifestyle choices are wrong, but not to the place where you cut off all communication. I remember last Mother's Day, I kind of put my arm around this gal and I said to her, are you going to call your mom today? And she said, no, 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 I can't. She won't talk to me. It's hard for her to go through a Mother's Day. Just this last week, we had guests with us from uh, Virginia, a kind of part of our family, kind of Barb's family that, that we didn't really know very well. And the wife shared that when she was 12 years old, just like James talked about this morning, her mom passed away and she spent her whole life after that in the loving care of her father. But for a mom, she didn't really have much of a, a connect except for those first maybe 11 years of understanding who this person was. Now, in addition to that, you can throw in this little bit of information I just picked up online yesterday. I'm going to make sure I got it right. $23 billion are expected to be spent on Mother's Day this year in America. I scratch my head at that. You know, when Mother's Day was established by Anna Jarvis back in the 1860s, it was a very special day to bring together North and South and a fight that had been taking place and need healing in the nation. But in 1923, her daughter filed suit against the whole idea of Mother's Day because she thought it was becoming much too commercialized. I can't imagine what she would think. $23 billion spent on Mother's Day. So this is not going to be a Mother's Day message. As a matter of fact, we have no slides. You just have an outline in your bulletin, so you might want to get it out. I want to take a different tact, and that tact is that all of us have characteristics that identify us. We all have lifestyle qualities. People know who we are and what we're like. We have this lifestyle. Where do we get our character? Where do we get our lifestyle? Now, it would be nice if we had a book and you just opened the book and it said, here, this is for you. This is your lifestyle. And we said, that's great. That's my lifestyle. And now I live it. This is, this is your character. What does it be like? It would be nice if we just said, okay, I just take, I'll do all this. But the truth is that we catch character from what we learn in our lives. And the truth is that we learn our lifestyle, usually from the people around us. So I want to share with you this morning four thoughts. Four thoughts about what our lifestyle and our character maybe ought to be like, according to the Word of God, and how you catch that, at least how I have caught it, and how you learn this lifestyle, at least how I have learned it. And much of that has been learned in my life through some women. My mom, my wife. 
So let's take a look at this. It applies to all of us. Here's the first one. Some lessons to be learned. Here it is. First of all, God seems to think we ought to be able to believe in him for the impossible. Wouldn't that be great if that was our lifestyle? That's who I am. I believe in God for the impossible. I want to read it. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus looked at them and he said, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible with God. How do you learn that? How does that become your character? Well, I think we get it from others. You can look in the scriptures. Uh, somebody by the name of Sarah kind of caught that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Can you marry Sarah? Sarah's married to, to uh, um, Abraham, a uh, hundred years old he is. We don't know how old she is, but she's past the age of having a baby. And God says, no, you're going to have a baby. You know what I can't imagine? What Sarah did the rest of her life. She told everybody, you ain't going to believe this, but I was well past the age of having a baby, and God gave me a baby. And I think the people who heard that, wow, man, that's the God of the impossible. And then we have another example, Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, at the opposite end of the scale from a very older woman to now a young teenager, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her after telling her she was going to give birth to a child. Luke chapter 2, 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I just imagine she told everybody she could tell the rest of her life. I want to tell you about the God who can do the impossible. And people caught it. Now I go back to my own personal system. My wife, whom I met when I was 16, maybe 15 years old. My wife-to-be when I met her at 15 years old. Uh, when she was 13, she came from a Christian family background, and her parents sent her off to camp. And at age 13, her life got changed, radically changed. She came to faith in Jesus Christ. She said, you know, this is who I believe in. It was a radical, real change in her life. She came back telling everybody about it. And then she met me. Now, she thought I was okay, because I was the president of the youth group where I went to church, and... And she kind of said, well, you know, he can't be too bad, you know. And, and I kind of put on a good game for her. But when it came to really knowing the God of the impossible, I just danced around. She was living it. By the time we were 23, we were married when we were 17 and 16 years old. By the time we were 23, things weren't working out very well. Our life was a mess over the way she believed, and the way I believed. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that my closest friend said to her, Barbara, you have to stop this because he's never going to believe the way you believe. And I even told her, I am not going to believe what you believe. And she would smile. Because she knew the God of the impossible. 
And guess what? She was right. I believed. I came to realize that's absolutely what I want. And I learned about the God of the impossible through this woman. Interesting, isn't it? Life went on. I had a great job. We were well on our way to being happy. We had a couple of kids and we met with some people and some people said, you know, maybe you ought to go and pick up some night school kind of Bible, learn things. And okay, fine. And then finally, one day, some people said to to me, why don't you go to seminary? And I said, what? Go to seminary? No, I don't do that. And the same time, somebody said to Barbara, why doesn't your husband go to seminary? And so we talked about that. We can't go to seminary. We got two kids. I got a great job. How do you go to seminary? It costs money. And I said, where would you go to seminary? And they said, well, just ask. And we asked. And they said, well, 2,000 miles away in Dallas, Texas. We lived in Philadelphia. Yeah, we're going to do that. And my wife said, I don't know. Maybe we could do that. You've got to be kidding. We can't do that. But she believes in the God of the impossible. So we applied to go to seminary. I asked my employer if he knew where I could get a job there, and my employer said, sure, you can come work for, we work for us. We have a company there. We have, we have facilities there. And I remember the first day I walked into this manufacturing plant where I had worked for the same company in Philadelphia. I walked in and I thought, boy, what are they going to give me to do? This is going to really be bad. We're living in a mobile home and this is going to be bad with two kids. Things are really looking bad. And the plant manager said to me, "Uh, you're going to be here for four years while you go to school and you're going to be the shift foreman in the finishing department. I am? This is great. Oh, that's right. There is a God of the impossible. And that has become my character. I remember getting out of seminary. I went, we took our first church. It was a little church in East Texas. There were maybe, I don't know, 30 people in this church. Couldn't pay anything. And I said, well, you got to go get a guy, got to get a job somehow. And so I went to work out of, out of town in another place for General Electric on an assembly line, anything to get some money. And uh, Barbara said, that's okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I don't know if it's going to be all right. Things are not good. I, mean, I don't know what we're going to do here. And I worked there. I worked there about two weeks. It was the worst job I ever had in my life. And then this horrible thing happened. This huge machine that was on the assembly line, it broke and they laid everybody off. And I got laid off, and I came home, Barbara, what are we going to do? We're laid off. We don't have any money. We got two kids. We got three kids now. And, what, 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 and she said, I don't worry about it. will be all right. Telephone rang. Some guy from town calls me up, and he said, I'm coming over to your house. He said, I, I just bought the TV rights here in a cable TV right here in our town. And he said, I think you'd be perfect for doing the news at 6 and 10. Well, of course I would. (laughs) Because I know the God of the impossible. I want to share it with you. Well, how do you get there, Ron? Yeah, I caught it. I caught it. I learned it. In this case, from a woman, my wife. You want another one? Here's another thing that the scripture seems to say is a good idea for your character and your lifestyle to have an open heart and an open home. Hebrews 13:2 Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, 
For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now I have to know I'm kind of a loner. I was talking to my brother-in-law who's lost his wife in the last couple of years and I over the phone the other day and I said to him, so what are you doing? He said, well, I don't know, I'm pretty happy being alone. And I thought, yeah, I'm kind of a loner too. I've always sort of been a loner. Genesis chapter 24, verse 19. You know the story of Rebecca? When she finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Here's Isaac, Abraham's son, going back to the town of his roots to find a wife. And he comes across this woman who's standing there at a well. She doesn't know him. He doesn't know her. She's not looking for a husband. He might be looking for a wife. We don't know. And she says, welcome. Welcome to the stranger. She says, let me get you some water to drink. Okay, that's really nice. Let me get the water for your camels to drink. you got to be kidding. They drink a lot of water. That's okay. Let me do this for you. Why don't you come back to our house and have dinner with us? Hospitality, open heart, open home. And then in the New Testament, there is this woman named Nymphia in Colossians 4.15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that is in her house. Isn't that crazy? Paul writes this letter and he says, oh, and by the way, say hello to that special lady. The church meets in her house. Does she have a husband? I don't know. If she did, he didn't have much to do with it. It was her house and she opened it. I give you some personal stories about this. When I started dating my wife, I had a brand new 1955 Chevrolet Power Pack convertible. Carl and Gray. Brand new. In the course of our dating experience, we used to go to a place called Tony and Pete Pizza Hut. We'd go there and we would get a pizza or a steak sandwich in Philadelphia and we would get a milkshake. On one occasion... Barbara kicked over the milkshake and spilled it into the carpet of my brand new convertible. (laughs) A little upset about that. I told her I was upset. She said, I'm sorry. Wouldn't you know, a couple of weeks later, she did it again. (laughs) Kicked over the milkshake. I can't believe this. And a third time, she kicked over the milkshake. The car started smelling like soured milk. And then she said to me, what is your problem? It's a stupid car. It's not a person. Oh. Oh, there is something like that. You know, when I was a kid growing up, and I have read that in, back in the 50s when I was growing up, parents didn't necessarily have too much stuff going with their kids. It was kind of do what I tell you to do, and I'll be disciplined by it. But, you know, and we never, I never had anybody over to my house to sleep over as a kid growing up. Never did. But not our four sons. We had everybody imaginable over to our house. Why? Because dad invited him? No, 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 no. 
because mom invited him. Mom had this open heart and an open house. You know, over the years, we've had so many people live with us. We've had refugees live with us. We've had poor people live with us. We've had desperate people in horrible trouble live with us. We even had a Muslim from Saudi Arabia live with us. Why? Because my wife has an open heart and an open home. She's hospitable. And I caught it. Oh, look at that. I can do that. It's become our character. Here's a third one. It seems as though God would like us also to be nurturers. Look at this in Colossians 3.12. This is for men or women. It had nothing to do with anything. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I'll tell you, if I learned that, I had to learn it from a woman. Here's what the scriptures say. Be like a nursing mother. Got that picture in your mind? First Thess 2, 7. We were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. There's the ultimate example of the nurturer. Last Sunday, for some crazy reason, before we came down here to church, I put on the TV to watch the Bloomsday preparation. And Kalai Chalk was on. I don't know how many of you see Channel 6 and Kalai Chalk. Kalai Chalk happens to be a friend of ours. She goes to my son's church. And Kalai Chalk is doing her little story. She actually is on the news, usually early in the morning. And she's telling everybody for Bloomsday about her own experiences. And she makes this statement. Somebody asked her, so did you ever run Bloomsday? She said, oh, I run it all the time. She's a neat lady. She said, and they said, well, how quick, how fast can you do it? She said, well, one year. It took me three hours. And they said, wow, three hours. She said, well, it was one of those years when I was nursing my kid. And she said, the kid got upset. And I had to stop and nurse the kid. And I thought, I wonder how many men would do that. (laughs) What do you mean stop the race? I'm here to win the race. No, 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 no. Not a nursing mother, no. Nursing mothers, they're nurturers. Where do you learn that? Where do you catch that? Here's another one, Tabitha, in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. We all know about Tabitha because Peter raised her from the dead. But listen to what it says about her. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated meaning Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. There were women who demonstrated This idea of nurturing others. I've told you this before. I grew up in a German family and nobody hugged. We didn't hug. Barbara's family, everybody hugged. What is this stuff? What do you mean we hug everybody? Men hug men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men hug women that aren't their wives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we all hug. My wife is certainly keeping in touch with so many people. Matter of fact, too many people. This morning, she got Happy Mother's Day from sons over the phone. 
And she has to respond back. I still don't have to respond back to anything. They send her text. I got to send her. I got to Where is she? She's in there writing a letter to somebody that we knew five years ago, you know. She's a nurturer. I got to tell you, this is so funny. This happened last week. We've established a means whereby some of the refugees that we reached in Budapest, Hungary, stay in touch with us, and we we have gotten... um, I have to say this right so nobody misunderstands this. We, we have it possible for them to get money through the banks uh, with our accounts. And we've been supporting them for years and years and years. And uh, obviously, every month I write them a little note and I say, Dear so-and-so, go take, and I tell them how much money out of the bank. And so they go to the ATM and get that money out of the bank. They have the bank card. I do this every month. And they're thankful. And they, they already write, they write back, thank you very much. But my wife sends them nurturing letters. And she talks about how are they? How are the children? How are you doing? How is this? How is that? And then she gets these wonderful letters back from them. I get, thanks for the money. And she gets this wonderful, she'll say, I got a wonderful letter from so-and-so today. Yeah. But I got it. I've caught that characteristic. I've learned that lifestyle to be a nurturer. One more. How about this idea of tenacity? Now, this particular passage I'm going to read speaks in the context of giving money to support the Apostle Paul. But listen to what it says, 2 Corinthians 8, 11. So now finish doing it well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Finish doing it well. And I want you to take a look again at the women who watched Jesus die on the cross. Mark 15, 40, there were women looking on from a distance, among them Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Younger, and Joseph, and Salome. Where are the men? They took off. They're gone. It's the women who said, hey, we're here to whatever it is at the end. Tenacity. And then there's the women who went to the tomb. In Matthew chapter 28, 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I love that picture. How come the men didn't go to the tomb? How come the women went to the tomb? Because the women somehow had in their character to finish this and finish it well. Now, most of you know that I am a list maker. See, I carry this little card around with me. This is, this, is my, this is what I have to do the next three weeks. I don't even put it on a phone. I just put it right on a little card. And my greatest joy in life is to scratch off that it's done. I don't really care how well it's done. It's done. <laughs> but my wife has tenacity. And I've learned it from her. I've caught it to be my character. When our oldest son was 13 years old, he got into computers, and he started writing a program called a game, Swarms. He made up this computer game. 
And he developed the computer game, got it all to work. He had built a little computer. He made this game work. And he told his mom, I'm going to enter this contest. It's a nationwide contest. And she said, oh, that's great, honey. And so she said, you know, well, what do you have to do? Well, I have to do this, get finished the game, send them the program, and then I have to write a letter. And it got time to the letter, and mom said, did you get the letter done? No, nah, I didn't write the letter. No, nah. yeah, I don't care about the letter. Like my, just like that. I got done what I wanted to get done. And his mother said, no, we'll write the letter tonight and we'll get it mailed so that it's there in time. And she stayed up late at night typing out this letter for my kid's program. He won third place national contest, got published in Creative Computer Magazine, and it began his career. I hope he still remembers back what his mom did for him. It's called tenacity. Call tenacity. I will see it finished. Most of you know I do a little painting. I hate to show Barbara my paintings. So I go down in my room and I paint a painting. And then I, you know, I need to show her when the painting's finished. It doesn't take me very long to paint a painting. I don't know, maybe four or five hours at the most. Yeah, I'm done. And I take it up and I show it to her. And she goes, oh, that's so good because she's a nurturer. I just love it. But you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do that. I don't want to do this and that. No, you need to do that. You need to finish this well. I'm learning. I'm learning from the woman in my life. That's the only reason I'm standing up here today, because she teaches me well. Yes, you will do that. So here's my challenge for all of us. Men, women, doesn't matter. Believe God for the impossible. Hospitality with an open heart and an open home. To nurture others with compassion and kindness. And the tenacity to finish well. I challenge the ladies, help the men, and for all of us to learn the lifestyle and allow God to change our character. So maybe I should have a few words before we close to men. Here's the first word. Speak well of the women in your life. Remember Etal? Remember Etah? I got to tell you how the story ends. For all the years, four years I spent in Budapest, Hungary, I really went easy on Mother's Day out of respect to Etah. Never talked very much about being a mother, not out there on Mother's Day. We left Hungary and we went back a year after for a visit. And Etah had a little baby. And I had to laugh because she's chasing this baby all over the church. I thought, you deserve that, Etah. <laughs> and now Etah has two babies. She's a good mom. I don't think she feels the same way about Mother's Day anymore. Let's speak well of the women in our life. Here's the second one. Let's listen to them. Men, listen to the women in your life. 
I get reminded of this every time I leave the house. See, we have a routine now. We leave the house. Barbara goes out the house. I lock the door. I have a little thing, and I turn on the alarm system. And the only problem is I can't hear the alarm when it goes on. Makes this little deep, 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 deep. And I have to go to my wife, and I say, did you hear that? Yeah, she heard it. I can't hear it. Shall I hear it? So I have to ask her every time, is the alarm on? And she tells me, yeah, it is. Good lesson. Every time we leave the house, listen to what your wife has to say. Matter of fact, we just had this discussion on the way down here this morning. And I said, well, there it is. You know, just listen to what you have to say. Because she told me to do something. I said I didn't want to do it. And she said, well, you know, God gives women to men and men to women because you have two sides away to look at everything. I said, you're right. And I said, no, I'm, I'm learning. And she said, when are you finally going to learn all of it? <laughs> well, it's only been 61 years of marriage. Not quite there yet. <laughs> Here's the last one. We need to be praying for the women that we know. The women in the church... Little kids, females in the church, our own daughters, daughter-in-laws that we know, aunts, grandmoms. We need to be praying for them and maybe sometimes with them. Mother's Day. Great day to remember that God said most of what we live like, we catch. Our lifestyle is learned. And often from the women around us. Amen. We're going to sing? Come on up here.